0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in? Him? In the end zone. It is caught for the win. Pressure. Pass is picked off. And who is it? Big BJ Raji for the touchdown.
1: Thank you everybody that's tuning in. I am Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein, and we are packed what she said coming to you much sooner than we wanted to, in regards to um having maybe a season ending kind of episode. But here we are. Perry, any just any overarching thoughts from, you know, now that we're like 48 hours
0: after defeat. I'm still mad. That's fair. I'm just in one singular phase of, of moving on and it's anger. Um, I think I was telling a friend of mine this this weekend because she was asking me how I was feeling about the game and I was telling her it's a playoffs, right? You kind of, everyone resets and anything can happen. And that's the fun of football is not getting best three out of five or best five out of seven, like baseball or basketball. It's like you go in and you play your best game and you either go home or you advance. Uh, and I was like, that being said, I think what's the worst part about the last couple of years with the Packers seasons is that when you lose in these games, that's it. It's just, it's so abrupt and it's just an end. Like it doesn't matter what happened in the regular season. It doesn't matter that Aaron Rodgers might win MVP. It doesn't matter that Matt LaFleur might be coach of the year. Like the one goal that everyone is actually there to achieve, irrespective of the rest of the accolades, It's not possible anymore until next year. And it's just, it's so jarring that, I mean, for me as a fan sitting on my couch, obviously 48 hours, I'm not later, I'm not like still can't believe that they lost, but for the players, I'm sure that this is just like the worst way to have a season end, Um, especially one where it felt like they were fully in contention to make it all the way to the Super Bowl as the best team in the NFC again.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, Matt LaFleur kind of said it best post game. And this was probably the most down that I can remember seeing him. I know nobody likes to lose in the playoffs, but the last couple games, you know, had moments where they kind of felt maybe like they were out of reach. And this one felt like they were in the driver's seat from start to blocked punt. Um, So, but Matt LaFleur said basically like, you know, at the end of the season, 31 teams are unhappy. So until you get over that hump, even if you lose the Super Bowl, like there's going to be unhappy players and unhappy teams. But I agree with you. And we talked a lot about this on the episode that the Packers were two wins away and had everything in front of them. You know, even if you looked at like betting odds and money lines and statistics, they were the favorite above the Chiefs, above any AFC team yeah. to go all the way. And the two home games were something that they said like, all oh, this year is so much more you know, meaningful because there's 80,000 people there instead of 10,000 people. So I think we all just kind of bought into it. And I think the hardest part is, you know, even rewatching the game, they were so close and this team was so capable. Were they, so though? Much I think they were, I think what I'm trying to say is that they were like so much more capable than what we saw. And I yeah. don't
0: understand how that
1: continues to happen in these big moments.
0: So that's been something I've been asking myself is, like, have there been any patterns with these losses where, like, is it one thing that needs to be fixed? And the answer is no. Like, I think that, and I I said this before this game, that, like, no, no team is, like, wholly complete. I think there are some that are closer than others, right? Like, we watched the Chiefs last night. They look unstoppable right now. Um, but the Packers certainly had plenty of weaknesses to exploit. And I think the 49ers just did like exactly what needed to be done to exploit the Packers' weaknesses. And then in the same vein, like the Packers beat themselves. You know, special teams is a part of it. Um, Aaron I never thought I'd be saying this, but Aaron Rodgers' play was not Aaron Rodgers. It was not up to par. It was not the MVP out there. Um And I think when you look at this loss in particular as maybe Aaron Rodgers' last game as a Packer, which we all knew it would be, like this is not the performance that I care to remember from him. And I think I split it down the middle between him and special teams on what went wrong. I mean, I don't know about play calling at the line, whether it was him or Matt LaFleur making changes, but I think that there was plenty for Aaron Rodgers to take on the field. And he was doing that too in the first drive. On that drive, like it wasn't like he was hitting every read first read. It was um he was just taking what was in front of him, whether or not that was the check down. And then after the Mercedes-Lewis fumble, that just went away. He just stopped taking what was in front of him and stopped taking what the defense was giving him, and it just completely fell apart from there. Yeah, I was looking
1: for the, the stats and I couldn't find them directly in front of me. But um earlier in the week, you know, you and I had looked at Rogers' numbers and how he was like undefeated in the playoffs if the defense allowed less than 20 points. And he was, you know, above average in wins and losses if they allowed less than like 25. And then, you know, where things really fell off was if the defense gave up like 28 or more and then 30 or more points. So even talking about the game and, you know, watching analysts and, you know, talking heads around the NFL pre show or pregame talking about, like, what this game is going to look like. I think we all kind of thought it could be a high-scoring affair, you know, 31-28, 27-24. It felt like it was going to be the defense that we'd seen the last, like, four or five weeks giving up 30-ish points, and Rodgers was going to have to, you know, get the offense firing. The fact that the defense had the best performance Uh, of the season you know in recent memory maybe ever in a playoff game that matters when you're talking about like a low scoring game and then have that output from the offense and special teams it's just I think that's why it it was such a heartbreaking way to lose or to watch them kind of fall apart the way they did because it happened in such an unexpected way you know it's not like it was it was a last second field goal but it wasn't like a oh man it's tied 28-28 and there here comes Robbie Gold it was like the hell the defense did literally
0: everything that they should the have just couldn't move the ball I mean they they weren't hitting anything that they were doing this season um, aside for a, a couple of big plays like it was force feed it was everything that goes wrong basically when Rogers tries to play hero ball it's force feeding Devontae Adams it's not getting the ball out quickly. Like he's a completely different quarterback when he gets the ball out in over two and a half seconds and he was holding it like crazy originally when I was watching it. And again, I didn't do a full rewatch, but obviously looked back at enough of the clips, like, At first, while I was watching in the moment, I was like, man, this, like, maybe this offensive line shuffle was just the last straw, kind of. Like, they'd done so well this whole season, and I went to the game fully being like, I trust Matt LaFleur and I trust Adam Senevich because they've done such a good job. And in the game, I was like, man, maybe it's just the protection isn't holding up. That wasn't the case. He had plenty of opportunities with a pretty clean pocket to get the ball out, and he just held onto it for too long. And that was, like, my biggest thing, whole game, watching it, um yelling at my television like get the ball out faster just get the ball out faster um no targets for a single wide receiver not named Devonte adams until the fourth quarter and again that may be play calling but that also may be rogers just not i don't know not going through his reads not even like trying to throw to everybody else i mean I feel like I spent the week defending the Packers offense for having enough weapons besides Devontae Adams, and this game like completely shot that to hell because none of them. I don't even think the answer is none of them stepped up. None, none of them were even given an opportunity. Yeah, Yeah. that's
1: that's what I was going to say. It's you know, Lazard was wide open on that that throw into double coverage. Cobb got one shot on the sideline that it was, was just kind run. of like, a yeah, it was just kind of like a chuck away. Like it just, none of it made sense. And we talked about, you know, the loss of MVS and what that could mean. I do think there's an element of that, but I think the players played well enough on offense, you know, in their positions. I know Josiah DeGuarra had the drop,
0: but. Yeah, but you can't were, like one drop. Like, here's my thing is that people like, Oh, he like Josiah DeGuarra dropped it. Okay. Drops happen. Go back to him like EQ got what an end around and that's it. You get nothing like it's just that's what kept bothering me. And then you're going back to the run game that was like doing okay. And obviously Aaron Jones had that incredible 75 yard catch and run. But like then you lose AJ Dillon. So you lose the element of like the two back sets and the pony package and all these like fun wrinkles that they're used. There was just no adjusting to even like the slightest bit of adversity, which was their strength all season in making these like tiny minor in game adjustments, no matter what happened. And none of that happened. And here's, I guess, here's my question for you. And I hesitate to say this because I freaking love Matt LaFleur and I think he is a phenomenal coach and I want him in green Bay for a very long time, but there's something about when he gets to the postseason, how he loses a bit of his aggressiveness And again, I don't know what the balance is between him and Rodgers making checks at the line and disregarding what Matt Lafleur is calling because I fully believe that that probably happens too. But I'm like, what is it as soon as like one tiny thing goes wrong, like the Mercedes Lewis fumble, it was early enough in the game and you were dominating anyway to not go back to the type of scripted play calling that we were seeing in the first drive where they easily scored a touchdown and just get hella conservative.
1: Yeah, I... I was trying to think about that. And there was a part of me that, you know, do we think it's solely on Matt LaFleur's shoulders? Because he takes the blame for everything. You know, he took the blame for special teams. He took the blame, you know, for every mishap that happened. And, you know, I I can't remember which reporter asked him, but post game they said, like, did Aaron Rodgers play well enough for you to win this game? And, of course, you know, Matt LaFleur said, yes, he did. I didn't put the guys in a good enough position. But, like, are we sure that, Rodgers followed the script because I don't think in the script, you know, Lafleur wrote target Devontae 37 times and don't yeah. look at any of your other receivers. So I think there's a part of it where, yes, your two best players on the field are Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. So of course, if anybody's gonna be able to make magic, magic happen, it's those guys. But when you see things that aren't working and you see the game plan that the 49ers had for Devontae, you know, maybe they had their own little version of 17 Bulldog dialed up. And then that's when you have to get creative and work around that. And whether that was Matt LaFleur not getting creative or that was Aaron Rodgers not buying into the play calling or changing things. You know, I we're not going to have yeah. the answer
0: to that. I know. And even with 17 Bulldog, the Packers still put up 30 points. Yeah. Like they were still able to move the ball against the Ravens. So I, I don't know. I think just all around like quite disappointing. Yeah. Um, everything that this offense like worked to achieve and become this like really interesting multidimensional offense that can like beat you in a bunch of different ways. Like all of it was lost. Um, And I hate the idea of this being like the last game that I watch with Aaron Rodgers under center, because it's just so not indicative of his career and like the amazing things that he's able to do with the football. Um, Like just none of it was, was utilized. Um, But you did mention the defense. So we got to talk about defense because that was the most like iconic championship level performance I have almost ever seen from a unit. And I, I think what I'm most angry about, and I think a lot of you saw my tweet as my most immediate reaction after the game is that was just so wasted. It was an amazing performance that that type of defense down the stretch, can win you a Super Bowl if your offense can just score one more touchdown. And I'm just so unbelievably impressed with the way that they played.
1: There's nothing like the NFL playoffs. Move over, Bills Mafia. It's time for Balls Mafia with our sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. They're here to remind you that the recipe for success in the playoffs is to protect your franchise quarterballs. The road to the Super Bowl is never easy, but the road to your Super Bowls is a few clicks away. Take the Lambo leap and join 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code PWSS20 for 20% off and free shipping.
0: This year, take your package to the next level with their Performance Package 4.0 and their brand new Ultra Premium Body Wash and 2 in 1 Shampoo and Conditioner. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the Signature Lawn Mower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin, and the advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate nuts. It also comes equipped with a 4000K LED spotlight. To complete the set, Manscaped threw in their shed travel bag and anti-chafing boxer briefs as free gifts to keep all of your goodies stored comfortably. Let's blitz poor hygiene all night and use the best tools for the job. Be sure to travel to manscaped.com for our exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping with the code PWSS20. Tame that playoff beard in your pants.
1: That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PWSS20. When grooming your most sensitive areas, why play in the wildcard game when you can take the safety of a first round buy with Manscaped? Yeah, I mean, you know, going into it, the, the question marks were Debo and how they would stop Debo Samuel and Elijah Mitchell didn't play the first time those two teams met. And George Kittle was kind of in a dry spell and, you know, how are they going to handle him getting hot? they were the best red zone offense in the NFL this season and the Packers defense didn't allow a single touchdown. So, yeah. you know, as much as we talk about like, it sucks to think about this potentially being Rogers and Devante's last game in a Packers uniform to have the the output that they did for guys like Z who on his first snap back mm-hmm. after injury to get a sack and, you know, Preston and I, I could, I, I think Adrian Amos stays. Yeah. But like,
0: I mean, the, the
1: defense is going to look, so different next year that it it hurts for those guys
0: I don't know I actually think of all of each of the units the core defense is pretty intact yeah like I actually am really excited and I think this should mean really big things to come for this defense because they're really young obviously Joe Barry is sticking around which is great news because it I guess that is something that's different from the past couple of seasons. No one's calling the defensive coordinator's head. Um, And you do have, yes, there are a lot of question marks. And I think that's understandable given what the Packers did this past offseason to get them to this position. Like they did do their version of all in. But the secondary is basically all intact and together besides potentially needing to re-sign Rasul Douglas. You still have Chris Barnes. You still have Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark. Um, and the rest are question marks, and that's okay. So those are all your stars that you're retaining. So I'm really excited about the defense. I just I can't believe that the Packers finally get a performance like they had and because we've been saying for a decade, if Aaron Rodgers just had this, this kind of defense, he would win a Super Bowl. If Aaron Rodgers just had a defense that could have stopped them, they would have won that game. And then he gets that performance, and he doesn't show up.
1: Yeah, and I, I will add to the defense. I think you know if there's one piece, Russell Douglas. You know his agent probably pissed off his agent earlier today because yeah. you know they said like, "What is it going to take to keep you here?" And he was like, "I don't know that they asked me to stay." Like basically vet mm-hmm. minimum, which like you love that attitude from players. Um, Devondre Campbell, I think, is definitely a missing piece. Where if the Packers have to go back to the drawing board at inside linebacker. I just, that to me, I think would be the biggest question mark because you're right. You know, Kenny Clark is there. Dean Lowry maybe can stick around. I don't know if the Packers will do anything with Preston, like trying to restructure his contract, but you've got Rashawn Packers typically take edge early. So you'd think you'd be able to find rotational pieces to pair with him. Your secondary is intact. Like there's enough pieces there that you trust the core of the defense, but if they have a new signal caller on the defensive side of the ball and it's, you know, a rookie, or a vet that's not Devondre Campbell, I wonder what that does to the defense moving forward. So is Devondre
0: high on your list of ones to retain? He absolutely would be, yeah. I'm curious what his market is, because it's not going to be be anywhere close to what they're paying him this season, but he certainly, I would imagine, would prefer to stay in the situation that led him to become an all pro. But I also understand like when given the opportunity, go get the bag. And I'm also fully in support of players going and getting the money when it's offered to them, because you never know when yeah. you can tear your ACL and potentially not play for a season. So yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of, a lot of really interesting moving pieces this off season that you and I will certainly dive into over the course of the next few months. I commend folks cuz I see it all over Twitter who are already like looking at the draft and looking at free agency <laughs> and cap situations. I, I need some time. <laughs> I need some time. After the Super Bowl is when I'll start to look at stuff like that.
1: So the the thing that I'm curious about and we kind of talked about this in the DMs cuz we just, you know, talk every day anyway, but um I think you and I had our thoughts on what this offseason maybe now will look like and potentially what the roster will look like, who the Packers will prioritize bringing back, who they won't be able to. Um, I know you didn't get a chance to listen to it. I haven't listened to it in full yet, but you know, seeing some of the the statements coming out on Twitter from Matt LaFleur's presser today about the front office and everybody being all in on Aaron Rodgers coming back. Like, does that change anything for you? And maybe what you thought would happen versus now what we're hearing from the front office, because what's Matt LaFleur going to do, right? He's not going to say, Oh yeah,
0: we'd, Okay, I guess we trade him. Like, he has to say we're all in on this guy regardless, but... I don't think his comments mean anything um, because I think actually Aaron has more power in this situation than he ever has before. Um, I think there's a couple of different scenarios. I think the most likely scenario is that... Actually, I'm pretty 50-50 on whether he just retires or if he gets traded i think the least likely scenario is him returning simply from just like a cap situation like i don't know how much sense like he would have to make he would have to rework his deal in order to keep like anybody and he blatantly said after the game he wants no part in in being part of a rebuild which i thought was a very interesting statement of him to make Um, I think where Devontae Adams goes will impact his decision and vice versa. Um, The best case scenario from the Packers standpoint is for Aaron Rodgers to get traded and for them to get a haul for him, basically, um, and help with this quote unquote rebuild that they're about to go into. Um, From a fan standpoint, I think it would be hard to watch him play in another jersey. Um, I think it would be fine if he retired. I think that if he went somewhere else, I don't know if his I don't know if his career would end the way he wants it to. I think he was in the best position he's ever going to be to try to get back to the Super Bowl with the Packers, and I don't know if there's another team that's going to give him that opportunity, and I think he might be chasing the Tom Brady Buccaneers end of career saga and I don't think that he's going to achieve that.
1: I I'm glad you brought that up because I I've, I've been wanting to like I've been trying to flesh this out in my brain and maybe we can, we can talk it out, but you know, he's so big on legacy and like what that means to him. And he got the unprecedented 17th season as a Packers quarterback. And, you know, I think I saw a stat today that he has the most playoff losses, you know, by of like a franchise quarterback right now. All He's got 10, like it's like most all time or some, some bizarre stat like that where he just, and His legacy, unfortunately, after Super Bowl 45 is that he's been on teams that can't get it done in big moments. And, you know, a lot of that wasn't necessarily his fault. We talked about that earlier in the show, where he's had defenses let him down. Like, that's not, you know, anything against him specifically. But if he goes to a different team and finishes eight and nine, or even ends up as a wild card team and doesn't get to a Super Bowl, as he continuing his legacy where he jumped ship and then he's adding more losses to his record. And you know, if he goes to Denver, if he went to the AFC North, we're talking about two of the best divisions in football. If your primary goal to get to the playoffs is to win your division, he can beat the hell out of the NFC North. And I don't know if he will have that same success. If he goes and has to play Pat Mahomes and Justin Herbert four times a year, or if he played Joey Burrow and Lamar Jackson four times a year, like, I I don't know if he can find a better shot at, like, winning your division and making a damn push at something.
0: I actually don't know if Aaron Rodgers – this is straight conjecture now and I hate doing this, but I actually don't know if Aaron Rodgers cares enough about winning. And I know that sounds so dumb because he just went 13-4 and and you can come after me for this take. But I think a lot – I think this last playoff loss was, like, a really selfish loss. And, like, I know that I'm probably putting too much blame on him, but all he needed to do is play within the structure of Malifleur's office, and he he didn't. Like, it's probably not that simple, but I just view it as a really selfish loss. So I don't know. I mean, like, we're making this assumption that he does have the same mindset as Brady, which is just competitive nature, win, win, win. Like, I think that there is partly... Like a selfish nature to this, like an ego that needs to be fed to continue to play. Like I don't want that to be my last game ever. I don't want that to be the last memory of me. And I actually don't. I agree with you though. I don't know if he's going to reach that because every quarterback's like goal, ideal scenario is the Peyton Manning is win a Super Bowl, retire, and ride off into the sunset. And I like even Tom Brady just lost to the Rams that might, he's thinking about retiring, which I'll hold my breath on that. Right. You know, like that might be his last game ever. And that's just, again, losing in the divisional round. Like it's just, it's, it's really, really hard to get to that like ideal state. And when you've been playing in the league for so long, you're likely not going to get the storybook ending. You're going to get the big Ben ending. You're going to get the Eli Manning ending. And that's just like what it is. So if Rodgers wants to retire now, have stayed with his same team for 17 seasons, made it to the playoffs, had a long run and just say, I'm I'm done. Like I would I think I just would respect that more than trying to like chase something that I'm not sure he's going to achieve.
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you 100 percent. And I think, you know, a big part of it is, you know, we would. Tom Brady, you know, he's got his rings. He's an anomaly. He's in a league of his own. Like, we know that. Maybe someday Patrick Mahomes or, like, Josh Allen will be in that conversation if they go ring-chasing the way that they are. But, you know, especially if we're talking about the competition that exists, like, the AFC playoffs are going to be dynamite for the next 15 years. Like, we're going to get to watch Burrow and Mahomes and Herbert's going to get there and Allen and Lamar Jackson. Like, it's, it's going to be incredible. And the NFC is, is kind of wide open right now. So when you think about, you know, the chances and the missed opportunities, I think that's why it stings the most Yeah, because, and you know, maybe Tom Brady should have retired last season and then it would have been, you know, you, you did the thing with the Patriots, you (laughs) did the thing with the bucks and you were going out a champion, but it's like you said, nobody really gets right now, the Peyton Manning's legacy anymore. And even then he was, not good that season. Like it it was yeah. a lot of having a really good defense
0: and a really good supporting cast. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think it's been interesting to watch. I'm, I'm hoping I'm going to hold Rogers to his statement that it's not going to be a whole off season drag out. Like he's going to make a decision. For I don't it. think it will be. I think that's the fair thing to do to a front office that gave him everything that he asked for to a coach that he seemingly adores and to a team that he loves. So it's curious and I think the decision once that decision, like that's the linchpin it's to the, the domino Packers. Yeah. offseason Off season decision-making process. And like obviously is going to show them how much money they're actually going to have in cap space. I mean, they're still going to have a ton of dead money regardless of what he does trade or retire or come back. Um, I can not even including that. <laughs> um, and then they get to decide what they want to do with the rest of the players. And I think Devonte Adams is probably like, one B on their list to figure out.
1: Yeah. I want to put this comment up from Patrick here because I think it's, it's really valid, right? Like he said, Matt LaFleur is in the denial stage. If he thinks the Packers can keep everyone without consequences. And, you know, if you listen to any of his presser today, he really was talking about, you know, how this team is absolutely not going to be in a rebuild and they feel pretty comfortable in the plan that they have, and they can bring enough guys back to be competitive and, you know maybe that's the case but i just don't really see a way for this team to continuously kick the can down the road like i think we saw them do that the last couple of years and i you know at some at some point you just got to pick up the can <laughs> like
0: you can't yeah keep i actually think that like we use the term rebuild in really interesting scenarios and i actually i don't think what the packers are doing is a full rebuild even mm-hmm. if it would feel that way with a new quarterback um rebuilds are like The Jets wiping the slate clean with coordinators, personnel, all of their main, like trading away all of their assets that they have, and then completely starting a new, like the Packers aren't doing that. They have like a solid core of not just players, but personnel to like fill in the holes. Now it feels like a rebuild because Mm -hmm. the holes are quarterback and wide receiver one. So like arguably the two most important holes on the roster, but I don't, I think I agree with him. I don't think that this is a rebuild, but it's a really, really important offseason for the next potentially 10, 15 years of the Green Bay Packers if they make the right decisions in this offseason. It's just like, it's hard to look at the list of potential free agents that you're losing because one choice, and I think Andy Herman talked about this this morning in his daily YouTube video. And I think if everyone's, Not listening to those. They should be so amazing. (laughs) But he said like one decision, even if it seems like tangential and on the fringe, can completely like alter the way a roster looks. And with the amount of decisions that Goot and Russ Ball and Mark Murphy have to make, it just feels like there's a lot of room for error potentially.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, we listed all the the core players that are going to be back on defense. Like the defense is not rebuilding, you know, that that right. wouldn't be, you know, if they blow up special teams, I think everybody's fine with that. You can rebuild <laughs> special teams. You probably should rebuild special teams. But, you know, change is hard. And when you are a Green Bay Packer fan and you went from, you know, 16 years of Brett Favre to 17 years of Aaron Rodgers, like it feels like a rebuild when you don't have a first ballot hall of famer under center. And maybe that's Jordan love. Maybe, you know, there's a transitional quarterback. Maybe they draft someone in a couple of years. Like I think that's the part that is so striking is when we look at the future of the team, you can't say like, Hey, at least you got 12. And you know, yeah. maybe they will for another year, but that's always been for the, like whatever happens when the defense was bad, when they didn't have any weapons quote unquote outside of Devonte Adams, like, but you always had 12. So I think watch, yeah. we're rebuilding an identity, I think, is what we're doing. We're not rebuilding a team. We're rebuilding our perception of who the Packers are because
0: the Packers have always been Aaron Rodgers and. Spot on. Like, just so spot on. And you watch these games, the rest of these divisional games, and it's so obvious. Like, it's just so clear that you win when you have that franchise quarterback. You win when you have. Allen, Mahomes, Joe Burrow, even Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford looked great against the Bucs, right? Like, you you need an above-average elite quarterback unless you are Kyle Shanahan and you do some voodoo freaking magic with (laughs) Jimmy fucking Garoppolo. Um, But it's true. Like, long-term success is completely centered around the quarterback. And for the first time in – 30 years the Packers have to make a decision around that player and it's I think that's what's so scary um I'm not envious of fans who deal with this like year in and year out
1: yeah I'm with you I I don't know what else I mean this offseason is going to be fascinating I think that the Packers are going to have to have a really good draft you know it's going to be interesting to see what they prioritize you know and again who comes back the dominoes have to start falling. And I don't think we'll see too much movement until at least after the Super Bowl. But yeah, things there's gonna be some pieces. What happens in free agency is gonna be really interesting. And yeah, I mean, get ready for I, I didn't think last offseason could get any weirder, to be quite honest. And I think I'm definitely more interested and invested in what this offseason is gonna look like.
0: I'm not ready for it. <laughs> Please just don't like drop any news and ruin draft day for me again. Okay. Yeah. Like I love the draft. Let's not, not um, I I guess since this is our kind of end of season recap show, do we have any like final thoughts on the season?
1: I, I hate like comparing playoff losses because unless you go to the Super Bowl, like all, all losses are, you know, you could argue equally heartbreaking, but I think that the tone from the guys in the locker room is just nobody expected it to end this way. Fans didn't, the players didn't, and you obviously never go into a lot like into a game thinking you're about to take an L. Like that's not that's not the makeup of the team, but the way they responded from week one and the adversity, and you know they had the reinforcements back. Like Z came back, Cobb was back, Jair was back. It just to kind of fizzle out the way it did. It just, this one stings. And I felt numb to it, I think, when it was happening live. But this one's going to sting for a while.
0: Yeah, I think that my, I have kind of two thoughts. One is, I think when I was thinking about this game, I actually put too much stock into the guys that were coming back off of injury. Like, you think that they're going to come back and just be the players that they are. And obviously, they're not going to. You don't come back after not playing for, 18 weeks and be the same guy. Now that sack from Zedarius, like my heart almost came <laughs> out. But like you saw it. like Jair only rotated in on certain passing down situations and in dime, like Cobb wasn't targeted at all. And, you know, I, Josh Myers actually played great. Um, yes. You know, it was great seeing Billy Turner back in there, but I think there was like a lot of stock put into getting those guys back. And I, I thought going into this playoff season that even if none of them came back, like this team was ready and it was good enough to go all the way. And I don't know, football is a heartbreaker, right? Like I said earlier, it's not best three out of five. It's you get one and done. And if you just like happen to drop a stinker on the most important day, you just go home. And this team has had that for the last couple of seasons. And I feel for them. I think my reactions like moving forward are that I still feel like this team is poised for some kind of bounce back um barring that Jordan Loves just ends up being really really bad <laughs> um but I think I say that because all the guys that could potentially still be there and because of the personnel like I think Matt LaFleur yeah I question some of his playoff decision making under pressure but He's a phenomenal coach. And even if if Nathaniel Hockey goes and gets a head coaching job, like you promote from within, okay, it's Luke Getze who becomes offensive coordinator and you still have Joe Barry and you still have, um, you know, who I think proved to fans this off season that he can make really wonderful personnel decisions for this team. So um, I think I still feel strong in that the problems aren't from within, like from the top down, there's just like, just some changes coming and they're going to be weird and potentially painful. And I think fans are going to be really impatient to see results, but I have a good feeling that the team's not really going to go off a cliff.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think what I personally am most interested in is like, if this is the end of Aaron Rodgers in green Bay and Jordan love starts, I'm curious to see what the offense looks like. And not from a Jordan Love quarterback skill set standpoint, but like what can Matt LaFleur do with him? Because, you know, for all the qualms about him not deserving coach of the year because he had Aaron Rodgers, like I want to see him now run an offense with a quarterback that won't be able to just, you know, make the changes at the line and do have the 15 years in his pocket before the head coach even gets there that he can build off of. So that's I think that's gonna be the most interesting thing to me is seeing what the offense looks like and how it differs. And not just because there's not a Hall of Famer back there.
0: Yeah. Imagine the Packers become, like, a defensive, dominant, like, run-heavy team. Power-back, yeah. (laughs) Power-back team. I'm here for it. I don't care how they win. I just like watching them win. Okay. Well, this was a really fun season with you all. Um, I love these recaps, and I'm sure we will get back to them next year off season schedule will be just a regular episode. I think, um, moving forward. Um, this will be the episode. If you catch this at the end or you're watching it back, um, we will drop this on Spotify, Apple podcasts, she TV, et cetera, for you to listen to, cause they're not, not really much else to talk about. Um, so just enjoy and digest and, uh, get ready for championship weekend.
1: Yeah. So, you know, thank you for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney at Perry underscore Goldstein. Uh, You can find the podcast on Twitter at PWSS podcast on uh, Twitch at Pax What She Said and Instagram Pax What She Said. Um, if you are in the market for a new razor, check out our friends at Manscaped. You can use code PWSS20 for 20% off your order and free shipping. Um, they have things other than razors. They have body wash, shampoo, cologne. The cologne smells really good. Um, so yeah, you know, maybe for Valentine's day or for like a little pick you up after this season that didn't end the way we wanted it to. Um, but thank you as always for listening. Go Paco. Go Paco.